This morning, I want to talk to you about Christian community, church defined. Christian community, church defined. You know, in this time that we're living in in our world, we see the church looking very different than it has looked in many different times in history. And it's an amazing kind of thing to see this, uh, how the church has risen up to the occasion of not being able to gather in person, but has become more creative than ever about how to preach the gospel and make the goodness of God known. And even now in this season that we're in, uh, finding ways to be the church in light of culture. And so there's some things I've been just meditating upon over the past few weeks about who God has called us to be as the church, as the body of Christ, as the people of God, the family of God. And so I want to kind of bring us into the Bible today and see here this morning. Now, as you do this today, I want you for a moment to take off the lenses of your own church experience for a moment. Put those glasses down today and look through a fresh set of glasses. One of the important things to remember is that when we're talking about church and what church is supposed to be, that we all come from different backgrounds and traditions and even varieties of culture. And what, what happens is, is that we often kind of get a preconceived notion of what church is intended to be embodied in this culture that we came out of. And that's not wrong. That's not, that's not necessarily wrong. All of culture shapes and the church is embodied within culture. Right. But our culture should never override what the church is. So we take that and we remember it as a way to reflect uh, who God is and what God wants us to be right now. And so this morning, I want you to just kind of take a moment with me and look at Scripture for what Scripture says. Look at the words of God for what the Word of God says. And what is God teaching us about the church? And the season that we're in right now in our world, more than ever before, the world needs the church. The living body of Christ, the embodiment and the incarnational witness of who Jesus is. Our world needs it more than ever before. And I want to show you some things about the church this morning. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit about this uh, church at Ephesus. You know, the, uh, we have talked about this in the past year, but just kind of to summarize that when you look at the church and what the church is called to be and what Christian community is called to be is that we as the church are not an organization per se. We are an organism. We are a living body of believers that as we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, fulfill the work of Christ on the earth. Church is not, uh, although it has become so in our language today, church is not a place we go. It's who we are as the body of Christ. We as the people make up the church. The church is not this actual building. Uh, it's, it's, we, and actually, we're proving that in the season we're in right now that normally that was our church, quote unquote. And, this, and that was the place we went. But in this season, you see how the church is able to be not based upon a building setting per se, but it's the people who make up the church. It's the living, breathing Christians who have been empowered by God's spirit who come together in this great way. And, uh, you know, on my, on my bucket list of places to visit, I don't know that it's on everybody's bucket list, uh, but is a cave. There's a cave I want to visit. 
And it's a special cave. And it's a cave that I think when I think about this cave, when I think about this place, there's something in me that connects to that place. And this cave is uh, kind of not just one cave, really. It's a series of caves that are in southeast Turkey. And in this series of caves and other parts of Europe was this place where the early church would gather. And they would get together in this cold, dim place, the church that we read about here in the Bible, the church that you, you read who Paul, who the other writers were writing to, they would gather in those caves. That wasn't the only place they would gather. That's just one. That's just one place that today we can physically put our hand on and touch the early church gathered here. And one of the things that has just amazed me, that the church is not that cave, but that church, that cave has been marked by the church. As you go, you can visit it today. It's a, it's a ruin, really. It's, it has markings from where the early church would inscribe things on the wall, scriptures and hymns. But I can just imagine as Paul would encourage the church to sing hymns to one another, as they would pray to one, with one another, as they would gather with one another, that there would just be this kind of low hum that was booming from that cave across, the, across that part of the, uh, the world. And it's always been a part of me that says, I connect to that. And the reason that I connect to that and the reason that you can connect to that as well is because you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We collectively make up the body of Christ. The church is not limited by dividers that we so-called denominations. The church is this global church. It's the body of Jesus Christ pushing forward in the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I want you to see through the lens of Scripture what Jesus call, or what, what Paul is instructing ultimately about who Jesus has called us to be as the church. So we're going to read here in Ephesians chapter 4 as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, a church that he much loved and a church that he was trying to build up so much so that he would send a, one that was very beloved and dear to him, a spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. Later on, he would send Timothy to be the pastor of this church at Ephesus because he wanted to see them ultimately what he would write about here fulfilled. Paul would write, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Paul gets off to a fast start right away. He tells them, humble, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. That's how we start all of this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of the peace. We're going to talk about the Spirit's work in the life of the church in a few moments. And so you can lead, go skip down to verse 11. So the Bible says, Christ himself, he gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. He gave the pastors and teachers. Now, I want you to, for a moment, remember, we're, we're taking off our lens of what we know the church to be. We're going to read what is Scripture telling us. He says, he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth 
by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness in people and their deceitful scheming. Let me pause there for a moment. This was a problem in the early church, as it is still a problem today, that when there is a lack of maturity and being the church and united together, we are easily pulled away by different winds of doctrine and things that may be false teachings, and we're easily separated when we are not maturely fully brought together in the spirit by the bond of peace. And so Paul, once again, is he trying to warn them that I want to see you grow up because I don't want to see anything come in and pull you away and devour you. I want to see you built up and mature. And the way that that happens is by being the church, coming together as the church. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Once again, who is he talking about here? He's talking about the body of Christ. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Jesus, that he is the head, Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, that last part has always interested me, that it builds itself up in love. We're going to pull that apart in a few moments. But I love this word that Paul is sending to the church at Ephesus. And you'll notice here that he uses a few times the word mature. He uses unity. He uses obtaining to the whole measure. And ultimately, what he's trying to relay to the church is, I want to see you grow away from an infant-like state of thinking, and I want to see you become a mature, whole body of believers. As someone who has been uh, called to be uh, in ministry, as someone who has, has a heart that says from God to go and preach the gospel, my heart in this is that not that I would change anybody's way of thinking at the church, but that we would ultimately embrace this passage of scripture here, that we would become the mature, full measure of the body of Christ that God wants us to be. Because there is something in the community of the Christian that is life-changing. And if you will realize this today, I'm telling you, it will change the way that when you come in on Sunday morning, it will change your approach. It will change your approach to Christian community altogether. You see here that Paul is not reasoning with them to go to more services to obtain anything. He's not reasoning with them to come and just watch singing and preaching. He's talking to them about how everybody together is pitching in. They're adding and it's building itself up to build the body of Christ. So if we're going to answer the question, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? Why did God create the church? Paul answered this question in that verse we read in verse 12 and 13. This is the purpose of the church, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, obtaining, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I love that scripture. That's what we're doing. As we gather together, the reason we gather together is God is wanting us to get to the place where we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as a believer and as somebody who loves Jesus, that excites me. 
That makes me so excited that we can gather together and attain to the full measure of Jesus Christ. It's not about Charlie Scruggs. It's not about the All Nations Church Choir. It's not about anything else. It's about obtaining to the full measure of Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of the body of the believer, is that we make up the body of who? Christ, not the body of ourselves. We make up the body of Christ, and he is the head of the church. So let's read a little bit. Let's look at this a little bit more. So the purpose of the church. One commentator added this, that the purpose of the church is growth and edification of its members into Christ and into common life through their God-given ministry to one another. And we're going to see here in a few moments as we look through the scripture is that God has so empowered all of us here today as if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has so empowered us here today to minister to one another. Not just, not just any, the person standing on the platform, but all of us, God has so empowered us to minister to one another. And so the purpose of the church is what we just read, but the mission of the church is to faithfully embody the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission, as you read in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The question has been asked and has been, uh, I guess, theologically debated, and I'm not going to tear that apart so much so, but just to bring a little bit light to this, is some have asked, can you be a Christian and not be a part of the church? Can you be a Christian and not be a part of the church? That's a great question. And I want to answer that question. And I know that there are many other uh, people who could add on to this response. But if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you choose to or not, you by nature, by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, have been adopted into the family of God. So whether you say, can you be a Christian and not be a part of the church? That's kind of a redundant question, because if you are a Christian, you are a part of the church. It's by nature of who God has called us to be in his word. We have all been adopted. We were estranged. We were cast aside. We were far away because of our sin. But because of the goodness of God, we have been brought into the family of God. So by nature as Christians we have been adopted into the family of God one writer said it this way that the gospel is not purely a personal matter it has a social dimension it's a communal affair to embrace the gospel then is to enter into the community and one person cannot have one without the other to be a believer is to enter into community, is to be surrounded. And you know what? That ought to be to our good news. That ought to be to our joy is that God has not automatically called us to fight this thing out by ourselves. But as a believer, God has automatically surrounded us with a community of faith that encourages us, builds us up and edifies us in our faith to be all that God wants us to be. And so I want to expand upon this word a little bit more as we talk about this. And I know this is a lot. It's going to come together in a few moments. But as we talk about this word community, you know, we talk about community and our community that is surrounding us. But community is really a deeper word than that. When you talk about it in the context of the church, that the community is who God wants us to be right here. It's when you you share, you share the celebrations together. You you mourn the losses together. Recently, I, I had a conversation with some people of different faith tradition. I don't even know them, but they mentioned one thing that was really interesting to me that it was we were expressing uh, maybe some grief 
grievances in this season, a spiritual practice of expressing grief in this season. One of the grievances that have come out of a pandemic across our nation is the ability to be able to celebrate life together. Right? You can't go to a hospital and celebrate a newborn baby together. You, you're not able to attend a wedding, maybe you were before. And there's a sense of grieving as the community of Christians that we're not able to celebrate together. Community is a powerful word that is ultimately what 1 Corinthians 12 identifies as this. And I want to read this to you. He says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I want to pause right there for a moment. As we talk about community, community is not necessarily, community If in, in the Bible's terms, community is not made up of like-minded people. Community in the church as the church is made up of people who are drawn together by Jesus. It doesn't matter how many differences we might have. The ultimate unifying factor in it is Jesus, which the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace that Ephesians talks about. So this means that we can have differences. We can come from different backgrounds. We can come from different cultures, but yet still make up the church. And listen, this is one of the most beautiful things about the church is that we are able to be so different, but yet so united. That's the beauty of the church is that Jesus is the one who assimilates us together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a fighter for the church during World War II in Germany, during the oppression of the Nazi forces and Hitler, he, he said this about the church. He says this, that it should not simply be taken for granted that the Christian has the privilege of living among other Christians. Imagine if we had to do this all by ourselves. Imagine if you had to be a Christian all by yourself. There was no Sunday coming together. There was no Wednesday coming together. There was no small group, outreach, choir. There was none of that. Imagine if you had to do it all by yourself. You see, even today, we right here in this room enjoy privileges that many as Christians do not have. We enjoy the privilege of gathering in one place. Those who are in prison, those who are uh, maybe in a, in a place where they're not able to meet together, they don't enjoy that joy of being able to gather together. We have a, a greater joy, and that is to being able to gather together. And so 1 Corinthians 12 goes on to say this, that if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. I have loved that scripture from the day I read it. And this is ultimately what the church is. I think a beautiful picture of the church is that we can come from so many different places. We can come from hurting places. We can come from rejoicing places, but yet we rejoice together. We mourn together. We join side by side together as the body of Christ. It's called community. Now, some people, and I want to be, be careful in how I talk about this today, because I know that all of us, we bring our baggage into when we talk about church to sometimes. But sometimes we have been wounded by this place called community of the church. We've been wounded by a, a hurt. We've been wounded by some bad history in the church. So therefore, it has caused us to be very hesitant about approaching the idea of community and coming together. But I want to tell you today that the church is a healing place 
that if you will find the healing in community, that God will allow it. It will heal your soul. It will bring it. And it comes from being with people. The nature of the fact is, and we're going to talk about this in the moment, in a few moments, is that the church is still growing and maturing. So by nature, there are going to be sometimes immature people, or as Jesus called it this way, he said in Matthew 25, he said, it's like weeds among wheat. But he said to them, there's nothing you can do about it. Just leave it alone. Let the wheat grow up among the weeds. Don't touch the weeds. There's going to be weeds in among the wheat. But by nature, if you try to pull out the weeds, what happens is, is you end up uprooting the wheat surrounding it. So Jesus told them, just leave it alone. They'll, they'll be there. They'll do there. And God will take care of them. But the nature is, is that if we'll be, find, allow ourselves to find community, there is healing and there is hope found in building a being with one another. And this is going to read us, bring us to our next point. If, uh, of what Ephesians talks about is the building up of the church. If you read in 1 Corinthians 14, he uses this word multiple times, building up. And I would encourage you sometime, just really, maybe you'll do it this week, please do it. Uh, go read 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. Read about the church. Read about how Paul, uh, God has designed the church and how Paul was trying to edify them about what the Christian community was supposed to be like. But ultimately, he, in 1 Corinthians 14, he uses this word that we see multiple times. He says, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one of you, you have a hymn, you have a word of instruction, you have a, a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If you tear this apart a little bit, we're going to get into some languages for a moment. If you tear this Greek word apart that means building up, I love what it kind of symbolizes and shows us. When you, when you look at it, it comes from two words that ultimately means to literally build, but the other word that it also comes from is the idea of a family or a home. And so when Paul was instructing them, really what he was saying to them is that do what you're going to do that's going to build up the family. That's going to build up your home. Not just, a, not just a building, not just a place, but what are you going to do that's going to help build up your family? Now think about your own personal family for a moment. That is the nature of which Paul calls this church is we are not just a church, we're not just an assembly or a gathering or an ecclesia that he calls it, assembly. We are a family brought together by the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to teach them, and this is so important today that you see this, is that if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he begins to teach them about the gifts of the Spirit. And he talks to them that many have these different way, or, or these different ministries. There's, there's the words of knowledge. There's the words of prophecy. And all of those things, they're great and it's amazing. But if you read it, Paul says that why were the church, why was the church given the gifts of the Spirit? So that the, each other may build each other up. Remember earlier we talked about that we've all been called to minister to one another. It amazes me that God so wanted to see the church mature and come to the fullness that he said, I know that they can't do it in their own ability, in their own devices. So therefore, I'm going to supernaturally empower them with my Holy Spirit so that they may build each other up. 
Isn't that amazing? That amazes me that God so loves what he wants the church to be, that we might mature and grow, that he said, I don't want you to just rely on your own ways and methods. I want you to depend on the Holy Spirit who is going to bring you together, unite you, and as a matter of fact, is going to empower you in ways that encourages others. You're going to speak life to other people. Maybe you don't have a clue what's going on in their, their life, but the Holy Spirit might use you to speak power and hope in to them. This amazes me that God so desired that the church would come together as a community so that they, he would go so far as to empower the believers with supernatural gifts to maintain the bond of peace. I love that. Furthermore, the gifts of the Spirit, they are, uh, as one writer said, they're thus said to be specific and effective ways in which God communicates to believers so that they may be corporately strengthened. So that they might be strengthened. Come on, how many of you come to church sometimes and you're weak and you don't have what it takes to go on? I do. All of us do. Right? We come empty. We come, we come bearing burdens. But God has so empowered us as the church. Many times we get caught up in dissecting the gifts of the Spirit that we forget the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. It was so that the church might be built up. It was so that we might all edify each other and minister hope to one another. I love that, that Jesus so wants to see the church built up together that he decided to empower us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would further say this quote, which he's very famous for saying. He says this, that he who loves the dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. If you are more in love with the idea of what your Christian community is going to be, then you end up missing out on the community altogether. And this is what has led to this kind of church hopping culture that we have today is that people go from here to here to here and they can never find a community where they live in and grow and develop is because they can become obsessed with the idea of a Christian community that they miss out on the community altogether. Listen, the truth is, as we read in Ephesians, no church has arrived at where they need to be. As the believers are being sanctified and growing and developing, so is the church becoming mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are constantly growing and developing, becoming who God wants us to be. And I want to just encourage you today. You're watching online. You're here in person. And you are not involved into a church. You're not a part of a church. Don't get caught up in the habit of many that you come into church and you check out. Or all you will miss the benefits and the joys of Christian community. I want to encourage you to faithfully pray and seek where God might plant you so that you would fully develop into the fullness of who Christ wants you to be and who God has called us to be as the church. Listen, what it comes down to is this, is that there are a lot of people who pretend uh, many different things, but we are all the body of Christ as we read in 1 Corinthians 12. And there's only one head of that body and it's Jesus. It's not a double-headed body. There's not one person you think is over here and Jesus on the side. No, Jesus is the head of the body and it's God's faithful, it's our faithful responsibility to be a part of that body to help it grow and build itself up as Ephesians talks about. I love that God would go to such lengths and such measures 
Listen today, I, I think if you really would just take a moment and take off those lenses of what you know church to be and see what God wants church to be, you will see that it is deeper and greater than probably what you brought up, were brought up in. That what God wants us to be is a community that is united by the Holy Spirit. Go read the book of Acts sometime. Look at the early church. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were of one mind and of one accord. And so therefore, the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them and sent them out all across to the earth. And the Bible says that God added to their number by the thousands. God added to their number daily as the church so needed. That what God wanted in the church, it came when the believers faithfully met together, committing themselves to building up one another. This is why the Bible talks about in Proverbs that he hates those who sow discord. Because what God wants is that his body might be developed and mature. The body of Christ has already been broken once. It doesn't need to be broken again. He wants it to be built up and wholly built together. So therefore, God might use somebody and empower them with the Holy Spirit. And you might come to me and say, you know what, the Holy Spirit, just put it in my heart that I need to bless you today. And you know what it does is it builds up the body. Because what happens is because you encourage me, because you bless me, therefore, I jump back in with 100% when I'm feeling weak. And it works all that way around. Some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be teachers, evangelists, uh, etc. But we are all called to be members of the body of Christ. If you are a Christian, you are not an isolated Christian. You are not an island. By nature of who you have called yourself to be, if you stand up and you say to me, Charlie, I am a follower of Jesus, then I would look back to you and say, then you are a part of the church. Whether you choose to be or not, you are the church. Therefore, you've got to make a decision. How are you going to be in the life of the church? Are you going to be one who builds up or detracts from the church? I love this concept of who God has called us to be in community. And listen, I know that we all have our history. We know all have our bad uh, stories of church. I mean, church stories and breaks and heart, heartaches from church. The list goes on forever and ever and ever. And sometimes what you need is the healing that comes from real community in the church. Real healing that comes not when people get into it with themselves and their own goals and attentions and aspirations. It comes when we gather together and build each other up. That is what Jesus wants. Listen, Paul didn't say that they might be a megachurch. Paul didn't say that they might have some great organization. Paul said this, I want to see them obtain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is what God wants us to be. No matter where you are a part of a local body of believers, it, do, it doesn't matter. We are all a part of the body of Christ. And in this day and age that we are living in, right now, our world needs to taste of what Jesus said. The world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. And the beauty of that is, is that the church is the only divinely ordered organization on the world. It is the only divinely empowered body in in the world and by our by our efforts to come together and build each other up in love it shows the world that there are followers of Christ that they are followers of Jesus and leads people to him I mean can you imagine the early church for a moment 
I love the early church, and I know that they had their flaws, they had their problems, but can you imagine for a moment, just imagine this church at Corinth. They had so many differences. They were, they were, they were the, probably the most diverse early church there was. They just had so much happening among them. So many problems, so many things going on, but yet Paul was trying to tell them, you are the body. You make it up all together. I want to use, ask the musicians to come, and I want to begin to wrap this up for a moment. If you, if you go, if you remember, we talked about the church at Ephesus. And in, in the book, in the letter of Revelation, uh, the Apostle John, he's recording several words that were given to the different churches and what was happening in their lives and, and what was going on and how he wanted to edify them, encourage them, uh, that Jesus wanted to edify and encourage them. But he wrote once again to the, the church at Ephesus. And I want to read you what he wrote to the church at Ephesus, the one that he talked about that he wanted to see him come to the full measure of who God had called them to be. And first off, he says to them, to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I want you to remember that for a moment. To the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. He tells the church, remember, Jesus loves the church. The church is his bride. It's his body. He loves the church. And so he told them, he says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know how you're laboring hard. I know how you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that. I know that you're patiently enduring the trouble around you. My paraphrase. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Basically, there's been some problems. The church in Ephesus, they're having problem with culture but have tested those who call themselves an apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently, Jesus tells them. And I know you're bearing up for my name's sake, and I know you haven't grown weary, but I, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. I love what Jesus said to this church. You, uh, you know, some people, we read these, these letters to the churches and it sounds like Jesus is being very hard on the church. But really, it's a heart of love that's coming to the church is that he absolutely loves the church. So to the church in Ephesus, he said, I see everything you're doing. I see your hard work. I see your labor. I see how you are patiently enduring uh, suffering. I see how you're fighting. You're pressing on in the faith. I see it all. But this is what has happened to you in the process of all of that. You've fallen away from the, your first love myself. And in many times, this happens in church life. It happens in our community, is that we get caught up with the idea of community, that we miss out on the community altogether, and we miss out on the one who is the head of the body, Jesus Christ himself. I love how this letter stated, right before he would write to them, he says this, as I told you to remember, he walks among the seven golden lampstands. The seven golden lampstands are the churches that he would write to. Isn't it encouraging to know that Jesus still desires to walk among his church? He still desires to be in the midst of his church. That's how he would start it off writing to them. The words of him who walks among the seven golden lampstands. In other words, he was trying to tell them, I am right here with you right now. I am abiding with you as you're abiding in me. I am walking among you and doing great things. 
in the day we are living in, the world needs to see the church, the body of Christ. They need to see the one whom Jesus is walking among us and doing his work. He still moves among us when we gather. This gathering on October 18th, I want to tell you something. It's not just another gathering. It's not just another time to come together. It's a time when Jesus is still moving among us when we gather. And we ought to rejoice and celebrate in the fact that God loves his church so much so that he desires to walk among us and be in our midst, that he would send the Holy Spirit to fill the church, that we might edify each other, that we could build each other up and experience the glory of the one day fulfillment of what we're going to experience, that every tribe, nation, and culture will gather around the throne of Jesus and they will bow down and throw their crowns at his feet and sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain forevermore. As Jesus would respond right before he was going to ascend to the heavens, he would say, and there's going to be a day coming and I'm going to send out my angels with a loud trumpet call and they're going to gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. You know who the elect is? That's his church. God has loves his church so much so that he wants to see us built up and obtain all that we have been called to be in Jesus. So what does that mean for us? That means that all of us here today, we have a responsibility. How are we gonna build up the body of Christ? How are you gonna help this body be built up? How are you gonna sow into it? I want you to stand this morning. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? This morning, I, I want you to find the power of community today, the community called the church. And I want to see you grow and become all that God has called you to be. And I pray today that you would find community in the church. Maybe you've been wounded by somebody in the past. Today, I want you to forgive that person and I want you to let that hurt go. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to heal your heart so that you don't miss out on the joy of the church. Don't hold somebody's wrong against you, against the church altogether. Allow God to heal you today. Listen, hurt is never easy to deal with, but holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness will cause us to always miss out on what God wants us to be. This morning, maybe you're here. You're a new follower of Christ. You're new to this journey. I want to tell you today that God has so loves you so much so that he promised you a church that would surround you and loved you and build you up in your faith. If you allow yourself to commit yourself to the body of Christ, every person this morning, would you just call upon the Lord with me today? God, this morning, we want to be healed today. God, we don't want anything to come between this beautiful thing, this beautiful body, this beautiful organism you've called the church. God, may nothing separate us. God, I don't want any kind of problem coming between my brother or sister. That's my family, Lord. And so, Lord, today I pray that you might remove us, remove it. And God, you might make us one by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may we truly experience the power of 
community, Jesus. I pray today that in the weeks to come, in the months to come, that we would begin a process here of building each other up. I pray that no harm would come out of our mouth to tear anybody down. But Lord, nothing but encouragement and life would come from our lips, Lord. I pray, God, that we might attain to the full measure of who Christ is as a church. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters, that they are coming with hurt, they're coming with brokenness, Lord. I pray today that there would be a brother or sister in the body of Christ that would come alongside of them and allow them to experience the joys of community. God, we are not the church because of who we are. We are the church because of who you are, God. All of our problems, all of our shortcomings, yeah, Lord, we bring it together, but you are the one that draws us together, Lord. May we be fixated upon you more than ever before. Lord, may love fall in among us in these days that we're living in, Lord. May we faithfully embody you, Jesus, to the world that needs to see. May they see our love for one another. I pray that lives would be transformed by how they see we go out of our way for our brother or sister. God, I thank you today. And even now, Lord, I sense just the Holy Spirit uniting us, making us one. So, Lord, we open ourselves today. We open ourselves to you this morning. Lord, the key in making us one is the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray, come Holy Spirit us one Jesus God I pray that we would not just be spectators we would be participants in the body of Christ I pray Lord that we may walk out of here stronger because we've been bonded together oh come Holy Spirit Lord I pray that we would not have false aspirations or ideas of community that keep us from embracing community would allow us, Lord, right now in this moment to find each other. We're better together, Lord. Heal us, unite us. This morning, I just really sense this from the Lord. You're dealing with some hurt. You're dealing with some brokenness. I don't know who did it or what happened. Today, I want to encourage you today to find the power within yourself by the help of the Holy Spirit to forgive allow God to heal that hurt. Look, the enemy is crafty now more than ever. And in these days and this time, oh, the thing that he desires the most is to just divide up the church, separate the church, allow some bad history to keep you from uniting together with the body. Don't let that happen to you. I pray today that you would find the strength from God's spirit to forgive. God wants to heal you today unite you in his name not in the name of that person who did you wrong so Lord today heal restore breathe life Holy Spirit Lord I'm reminded of the church when they were at their wits end when they didn't have what it took Lord when they were so tired they were frustrated because you were gone, Lord. They gathered together and prayed that you empowered them and you made them one again. And so, Lord, would you take our fragility, would you take the brokenness and the pain and the hurt, and would you restore us by your Spirit?
Make us one, Holy Spirit. Fill us today, renew us, and empower us. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. I need love that comes from the Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, change us. God, I don't want church to be what I think church should be. I want church to be what you show me in your word, Lord. God, make us a family, the family of God. Heal us today. Restore us. God, take away any bad preconceived notions of church that we're holding onto. And make us one today, Lord. watching this morning, you're here today and you need forgiveness you need God to change your life I want to tell you today, he so loves you so much so that he gave you the church to help you and I can't promise that I, I will do my best all the time or that we will do our best even, but I can promise you this that the Holy Spirit is faithful and we can trust his work among us to build us up, to edify us so instead of trusting in people, trust in God who unites us and makes us one. This morning, you need the forgiveness of Jesus. Call upon him today. Trust him in him today. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Jesus. God, I'm going to mark this moment. I'm going to mark this moment in the weeks to come. I'm going to mark it, Jesus, how you bringing us together. God, this isn't just another Sunday for me. This is a moment where you're saying to us, I want to bring you closer together than you've ever before. I want to bring you into the family of God. And Lord, I thank you today for how the Holy Spirit is making us one. I thank you, Lord. Forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. Oh, God, I thank you today. What a power, Lord. What a joy. You're still walking among us today. You're still moving among us even now, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Right where you're at, you need to pray. You need to call upon the Lord. Call upon him. Kneel. Lift up your hands. But let's do what the church has shown us in the beginning. They prayed. They gathered together as we sing this song, Make Us One. We're going to sing it. Make it a prayer this morning. Don't just say it. Don't just sing it because we're singing. I pray today that all of us, our hearts would be in it. God, make us one. I mean it, Lord. I mean it by faith. I mean it by trusting in you. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith today, I'm believing you're going to make us one, Lord. You're going to bond us. There's differences. There's things that's keeping us from one another. You're going to reconcile it today.